scripture reading comes from Hebrews in chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. You can find that in your bulletin or in the screen behind me. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is the word of the Lord. Occasionally, when uh, I'm reminded when I get up here about the pastor who got up one day and he said, before I preach, I'd like to say something. Well, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to say a couple things this morning. Um, one of the things I want to mention to you, it's not exactly the parting of the Red Sea, but I want to let you know about a miracle. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to read the financial report that you have in the back of your bulletin. We publish that once a quarter so that you can kind of be aware of what's going on. Uh, but I want to uh, tell you about a miracle that happened. When we went into the month of December, the last month of the year, we, uh, were, we had about a $75,000 shortfall. Now, that's not the end of the world. A lot of churches, uh, a lot of the, the money, the giving comes in stronger at the, year, at the end of the year. But still, with all the uncertainty going on around us, it was cause for some concern and a lot of prayer because we had to also trust God for $75,000 or so just for the month of December. So during the month of December, uh, I and a few other people were praying for that God would provide $150,000 at the end of the year through the year-end giving. And so we got to the end of the year and showed up at the office on January 4th and I asked Allison uh, kind of how, how we finished up the year. She said, well, it's $140,000 that came in. And I thought, gosh, that is amazing. Thank the Lord for that. That is so cool. And uh, because I thought, hey, this $10,000 shortfall, that means a lot of it got cleared up. I feel like we have at least close to a full tank as we begin a new year together. Then I said to Allison, our administrator, I said, well, I can't wait to see what happens when you go to the mailbox because there are some gifts that are postmarked in December that still come to the mailbox on that day. So sure enough, she went there that day and she came back in. Now, I don't, I don't know who gives or, or how much people give and nor do I, uh, nor are we a church that talks a lot about money. In fact, if you're not yet a believer, you don't know the Lord, uh, we want you to, to make it really clear that it has nothing to do with uh, becoming a Christian or salvation. Uh, that's a free gift of God. But anyway, uh, Allison came back and she said, well, she had this big smile on her face and she said, well, this is, one check is for $500 and then there's another check for $500 and then there's a check for $10,000. 
and it was just over $150,000 at the end of the year. Now, that's not exactly the parting of the Red Sea, but to me, that is a miracle on Lake Baldwin Lane, and you can applaud, praise God for that. Not only that, not only that, but I wanna thank all of you for your generosity. Uh, there are a lot of people that took steps of faith to, to give, not only during December, but throughout the year, and we wanna really express our appreciation uh, that is a miracle of God. We were on the edge of our faith. Uh, one more thing I want to mention before we get into the sermon. Uh, as you know, as a church, we really care about people around the world, and for that reason, we support missionaries. We support global missionaries. And uh, several years ago, there was a couple in our church that uh, was called by God to take a step of faith to go out to the mission field um, they went to Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, some of you know them because they were part of our church. That's how I got to know them, John and Julie Bowles and their family. And uh, they have returned from the mission field. And I just want to say that we as the church, John and Julie and kids, we are so grateful for you. And I'd like you just to stand and wave and let everybody know that, you, that, that you're here. Just give us a good, yeah, there you go. Welcome, you guys. Good to have you back. So grateful for you. And one of the reasons I mentioned that, other than just to acknowledge them, is that what they did to go to Bangkok, Thailand, and everything that went into that, trusting God for their financial support, trusting God for their family, trusting God for ministry, it was all because it, they had to do it by faith. And we are in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the great faith chapter of Scripture. And so, during this whole month of January, we are learning more about faith. And, uh, but it's so great to have so many living examples of that in our midst, including John and Julie. Now, there's a certain focus of this message today, and I want to begin it with this story. Some of you may have heard the name of, uh, of Marcus Person. He was the person who was the creator of the video game Minecraft. A story about him uh, just recently that when he sold his company, he sold his company for $2.5 billion. He bought a house for $70 million, bought a home, and he spent his days partying and hobnobbing with famous people. But on his Twitter feed, he wrote this He said, The problem with getting everything is that you run out of reasons to keep trying hanging out with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want, and I have never felt more isolated. You see, it's easy for us when we go through life to sacrifice the permanent on the altar of the immediate. There are things that glitter, but not all that glitters is gold. And that's a lesson that he learned now, a lot of us would love to learn the lesson that way. It'd be spectacular to uh, sell a business for $2.5 billion. I'd love to learn that lesson. But in much smaller ways, you and I face that same thing. We live in a very affluent country. We live in a very affluent part of the country. And it is a challenge to our Christian faith. So we in the book of Hebrews are learning several things. Now, we've spent a lot of time in the book of Hebrews. We're focusing this month on Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to answer the question, why would we take on this great book of Hebrews? 13 chapters long, 
we go along, we go through it. We don't just water ski through it, but we scuba dive, we learn about it. Why do we do it? I would say the book of Hebrews is perfect for these times and it is perfect for your life and for my life. And let me explain what I mean. For those of us that feel isolated, like you just heard in that quote that I mentioned, if you're isolated, the book of Hebrews calls you back into community. It says we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but to encourage one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. That's from Hebrews chapter 10. It's perfect for you, it's perfect for me, it's perfect for our times because some of us are drifting. During COVID, we've drifted away from the faith. We have drifted away from God. We have drifted away from consistent practices of discipleship. But the book of Hebrews calls us back to following Christ. It calls us back to discipleship. And then some of us are compromising. As we go through life, we compromise morally, we compromise financially, we compromise with the world around us, we surrender our integrity, we surrender our values, and the book of Hebrews calls all of us back to Christ. So we're gonna talk about Moses' faith this morning. This morning we come to Moses. We were, have been talking about Abraham the past couple of weeks. We've been going through the Hebrews chapter 11, God's faith hall of fame, takes us through highlights of the Old Testament and stories of faith in the Old Testament. Look back at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. I want you to notice how his faith story begins. In fact, there are in the life of Moses, in the passage that Sidney just read, there are says by faith Moses. By faith he did something. So it's going to be some amazing insights into faith. When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. You know, the story of Moses' faith actually begins with his parents. Do you know that the story of Marcello's faith begins with decisions that his parents make? All of us in that, that uh, the, the important responsibility of imparting our faith to others. But in Moses' case, his faith began with his parents. And the title of this message is, Faith Chooses a Better Way. And Moses', Moses parents faced a choice. The, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was so threatened by the numerical growth of the people of God in the Old Testament, true story, back in those times of the Pharaoh, that he put out a decree, an edict, that all of these uh, unborn Hebrew, all of these Hebrew children, as soon as they, born, they were born, the males should be killed. And so what happened is that Moses' parents defied the king's edict, and they hid their son. They eventually put their son, Moses was picked up by the daughter of Pharaoh, uh, they actually, the daughter of Pharaoh actually enlisted Moses' mother to nurse the child, and then Moses was saved, and he was raised in, of all places, 
the house of Pharaoh. It's an amazing story, but it began with a faith choice that Moses' parents made. So that's where his faith begins. But one of the things we want to see now in the life of Moses is this is going to be a two-point uh, two outline in my sermon because I want to dive deeply into some faith decisions that Moses made. You see, Moses, notice that he had some tough choices to make. First, his parents made that tough choice, but I want you to see some of the tough choices that Moses himself had to make. We find those beginning at verse 24. Let's look carefully at that again. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So something happened there. When he was grown up, he made a faith decision to not be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And you see how verse 25 says he chose something. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. I want you to look at this first example of Moses, by faith, choosing a better way. Look at what he said no to. When you choose a better way in your life, one of the things that you do is you say no to the world, you say no to the sin, you say no to the grip of, uh, of, of what money can do to you, what treasure can do to you. So I want you to notice some of the things that Moses said no to. The first thing we see in verse 24 is that Moses said no to power. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had, all kind, he had the, the, the power of the whole Egyptian realm available to him, but he said no to power. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's like being raised in, say, British royalty, and you say no to your royal family. You say no to being Prince of Wales or whatever it might be, or Duke of Windsor. He said no to that title, and he said no to power when he grew up. Then you go on to verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now what do you think it means that Moses said no to the fleeting pleasures of sin? I wonder what that was about for him. Apparently Moses had all kinds of, because of the wealth, because of his position, because of life among the wealthy and the affluent in Egypt, Moses said hi or said no to the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then it goes on and says one more thing. It says in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So, so he said no to treasures. He said no to power. He said no to the fleeting pleasures of sin, and he said no to all the treasures of Egypt. What does it mean to say no? That, that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do. You know, Jesus in Mark chapter eight and verse 34 said that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I wonder what that might mean to you to deny yourself, to say no to power, to say no to the fleeting pleasures of sin, and to say no to treasures. Have you ever done that before? 
I have a friend by the name of John McGurn. Molly and I used to live in Richmond. And, uh, and John went through a real challenge in his work because he was working for an employer that was doing some things that were against the law. And John felt that because he was being asked to participate, that it would violate his integrity as a Christian. So what John chose to do was to give up that job. He didn't have another job in its place, but he said no to a job that was causing him to compromise his integrity. I wonder how many of us here would say no to something like that, would walk away from a situation, would walk away from a business, would walk away from wealth, and have to take a step of faith to trust God to provide financially. Some of you know the story of Eric Little. Eric Little was an Olympian. He was an Olympic runner from Great Britain. He ran in the Paris Games of 1924. And one of those races, one of the races that he was to be a part of, fell on a Sunday, and it fell on the Lord's Day. And in the face of incredible public pressure, in, in the face of incredible pressure from Britain and from royalty in Britain, in the face of all that pressure, he said, I'm not gonna run on the Lord's Day. I'm not gonna run on the Christian Sabbath. I know that you want me to do that, but I'm not gonna do that. And he chose not to run on a Sunday. Isn't that amazing? That just seems so foreign to us. It reminds me of, uh, you know, we can become so um, sort of watered down in our faith and we can, you know, somebody comes along uh, and, and they're, they're normal, 98.6 degree temperature, but we think they have a fever. We think Eric Little's over, overheated. He's, uh, he's taken it too far. But Eric Little went on to run in the races that he could, and his story was immortalized in the great uh, Oscar-winning film, Chariots of Fire. It is a great story. If you've never seen that, uh, it is fantastic. But it tells the story of Eric Little saying no because he wanted to prioritize what God wanted to do. He wanted to say yes to some things. So what did Moses say yes to in this passage? I want you to notice. It says that Moses said yes to the people of God and to, to the reproach of Christ. So he, he said yes to being mistreated with the people of God. Remember, they were enslaved in Egypt, and he chose to align himself with those who were enslaved, to those that were experiencing the full brunt of persecution from Pharaoh and from the Egyptian empire, Moses said, I will align myself with those people. He, he chose that. And he also chose the reproach of Christ. He chose the reproach of Christ as, as he said no to these other things. You know, I remember uh, I became a Christian kind of, um, I, didn't, I, went, I didn't have the privilege of Marcelo and many of our children of being raised in a Christian home. And so when I was in high school, my later high school years, that was the first time I ever learned about the good news of the gospel. And sometime my senior year of high school, I made a profession of faith. I put my faith in Christ. But there were things in my life during my high school days, there were relationships that were not good for me, that were not good for my relationship with the Lord, that were not good for the girl that I was dating. And so it came time for me to be able to, uh, to say, you know, it's not best. I'm not gonna continue with a lifestyle that I've had. 
And I remember saying that to my girlfriend at the time, and she looked at me with this look of disgust, and she said, so you've accepted Christ? And it's like I was at a crossroads at that moment because I had never come out of my secret place of being a follower of Jesus and stating that publicly. And so for the first time in my life, I admitted to a friend that yes, I had accepted Christ. And I was saying no to a former life that I had, a wild and crazy life with whatever power, whatever pleasure, whatever wealth that I could have had, not much in high school, but I had to say no to some things. Now how did, how did Moses do that? How did Moses say no to those three things and say yes to being aligned with the people of God, mistreated with them, and to also accept the reproach of Christ. He did it by faith. He trusted God. He understood that this would be a better way. It was hard to do. It is so hard to say no to the world, to say no to sin, to say no to all of that wealth that could have gotten a grip on his heart. It reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said about pleasure and about desires. Isn't it interesting this may come as, as brand new news to some of us, but there are times when God calls us to deny our desires. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says about that. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. So no wonder Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now Moses did that by faith. So that's the first thing we see here. The first point, the first in my outline, is that Christ is better than the world. So have you come to believe that? Have you come to believe that Christ, your relation, relationship with Christ, that the reproach of Christ is better than anything the world could offer you. Pretty challenging verse. You know, it's, it's interesting, uh, it's said that a good sermon should, should both sing and sting. If you really let this go in, it'll sting. It'll sting you, but let it do that. Because God applies that sting to us, but it, there's also the singing of the gospel that we find in the scriptures. I wanna go on to the second thing though that we see in this passage. Not only is Christ better than the world, but the second thing is that courage is better than fear. So I wanna talk for a minute about fear. I've talked about the temptations of the world, sex, money, and power, how those things can grip us. I wanna talk for a few minutes about fear. Now it refers to this in verse 27, check out what it says about Moses. By faith, once again, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Now it's interesting, if you go back to the book of Exodus, it does say that Moses experienced fear. It was, it was terrible to have the anger of the king. But what faith did was it allowed him to overcome his fears. So for those of you in this room, who experience fear in different situations. John and Julie would have had their fears about going to Thailand. 
Different ones of us would have fears about obeying God or about serving God or about what would happen if we commit ourselves to this. But God, but faith overcomes those fears. So look at this verse once again. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So let me ask you a question about fear. Think about these questions for a moment. Does fear ever hold you back from following Christ? Does fear ever hold you back from obeying God? Does fear ever hold you back from serving? Do you have a fear of missing out, that if you would let go of your old life, if you would let go of certain things in your life that have come to dominate your life, do you have a fear what would happen if you would let go of those things? Do you have a fear of what people would think? And then here's a biggie, do you have a fear of failure? Is there something about fear in your heart that is keeping you from obeying God? Well, what happened to Moses is it says that it, by faith, he, didn't, he did not fear the king. Now, why is this important? Well, if you go back to the first readers of Hebrews, this would have been very encouraging to them. This was in the first century. The reason Hebrews was written was to challenge them to keep them from drifting in the face of persecution from the Roman Empire. So when they looked at this story of Moses and how Moses stood up to the king, it would inspire them in a culture that was dragging them away from Christ, that was dragging them away from church, that was dragging them away from obeying God. They would have steadfastness because they would trust God and they would stand firm. And that's why this was so encouraging to them. They were facing persecution. Fear could make them shrink back but the story of Moses would call them to faith instead. Now, how does faith give you courage? You know, I have, I still have fear in my life. I think one of the biggest fears in the world, you guys may identify with this, is the fear of speaking or the fear of reading scripture. And I just love it when people get up here and they read scripture or they have to give a talk or they have to do something. They say that one of the most fearful things in the world is having to give a public speech. It's an interesting thing. And, and uh, I know that for myself, I experience those fears whenever I get up in front of a group of people. And so what I need to do is I need to pray and I need to trust God in that situation. And I want to encourage you with that because we all experience fear. So how did Moses gain courage though? Think about this for a second. If, there's, if fear is holding you back from taking a step outside of your comfort zone to obey God, how did, how did Moses gain courage? He gained courage, the Bible says, by faith. So look at what it says back in the verse. It says in verse 27, the second half of the verse, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses was able to see an invisible God. And he trusted that invisible God rather than fearing the king. It was as simple as that. Now how do we see Christ? How do you and I, how do, we, how do you and I see him who is invisible? How do we see Christ? 
Okay, it's very simple. We see Christ in his word. When you read the scriptures, the Bible says that we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What happens is you see the Lord. I loved our worship songs this morning, How Great Thou Art and Great Are You, Lord, and these, these, these wonderful songs that we were singing. It was so good for my heart to be able to worship because when we worship, both in the singing and in the preaching of the word, that's when we see Christ. We can look back and we can see Christ in his word. So that's how we look at him who is invisible. When you pray, when you fellowship, even in the sacrament of baptism this morning, the way we understand baptism, it's not just a ritual for these guys to go through. The sacraments are known as visible words. They are palpable, tangible things that we can actually see and it enables us to see Christ and to see the gospel. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, when we take communion, it's not just a ritual, but that is where we see Christ, we see Jesus. And that's why the means of grace, that is worship, fellowship, the sacraments are so important for our steadfastness in Christ because that's where we see Jesus. Jesus, Moses endured as seeing him who is unseen. Remember these words and write them down. When you look at Jesus, your heart starts to fall in love and it changes your life. Moses endured seeing him who is unseen. When you look at Jesus, what happens is that your heart starts to fall in love and it changes your life. You know, I've seen people go through fears in this church. Several years ago, Molly and I got to know uh, Kurt and Robin Kratzer. Maybe a few of you would remember them. We met them through the Independence Day Bash outreach. We gave them cold water. And then Molly and I took them out to brunch after church. And we sat down with them, and it was really interesting to hear because Robin's daughter had come to faith in Christ and was starting to follow Jesus. But Robin herself was fearful about doing that. Molly and I invited Kurt and Robin into a, a dinner group that we had going through a video series called Christianity Explored. But I remember that day, I'll never forget it, and I called Robin this week to ask her permission to share this with you because she was fearful about even getting involved in a Bible study. She was fearful about getting into a home. The reason for that was that she didn't know very much about the Bible. She didn't want to be called on. She had all these fears, and we were able to relieve her of those fears, and she took that step. She took that step of faith, and she began to grow in her relationship with Christ. One of the things she said that was interesting, too, was she said, you know, I'm an older person, and there's a lot of younger people that are following Jesus. Her daughter was following Jesus. And it just, she just had a lack of confidence as an older person. But it was so good that she took that step of faith. I think of Sydney Owens, who read scripture this morning. Sydney uh, grew in her faith through involvement with the Navigators at UCF. She got involved in our church. And she felt called to get involved with the Navigators Edge program, reaching out to international students on campus. I had the joy of meeting with Sydney uh, when she was raising her support. And I can only imagine, I've, been, I've sat where she had sat. And so I'm like, I'm so totally glad to meet with you. Tell me your story, it was great. 
But she had to overcome fear to raise her support to be involved in what she's doing right now to reach international students. When she's out on campus, she's always meeting new people and she's having to overcome fear in doing that. And I just think that is a beautiful thing because all of, in this, all of us in this room have a comfort zone and it's difficult to take a step outside of that comfort zone. But when we do, faith is like a muscle. It grows with exercise and we do it by seeing him who is unseen in worship and in reading God's word and in prayer and our heart starts to fall in love with him and we begin to trust him. And that's the journey of the Christian life. That's why it's so exciting to get involved in starting a community group or serving in Splash or taking steps where you put your faith into action because that is how your faith grows and you need to step outside your comfort zone. This summer, Dwayne Noble and John Hill are leading a mission trip to London with one of our partners there, Ross and Aislinn Meyer, who are working with a ministry called Surge, doing church planting in South London, and they're great at welcoming mission trips. So we hope to have 10 people from Lake Baldwin Church participate in that mission trip. And if you sign up for that, you're gonna have to overcome some fear because you're gonna have to raise your support. You're gonna have to take a step of faith when you go to London you're gonna be involved in being in, you know, out there, meeting new people and introducing people to Christ and inviting them to church, but it will change your life because you will do it by faith, you'll do it as seeing him who is unseen. It's a beautiful thing, but no wonder Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what's the message of this sermon? I want you to go back and look at one verse in Hebrews chapter 11 when it says, verse 26, look at that again. It says that Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Some of you are saying, Mike, if I live my life this way, it's a tall order. If I decide to live by faith as Moses did and as other people in our church are doing, others that we know, it is a tall order, but it says the way Moses did it was he considered the reproach of Christ greater, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. What was the reproach of Christ? Moses considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. What would that look like for you? Well, Jesus Christ was despised and rejected by the world. He was obedient to the point of suffering a cruel death on the cross, but he rose again in glory, and you and I have been called to follow that same road. That is the Christian life. And I realize a lot of us are consumers. We go to a restaurant, we want everything to be just right. We go to a show, we want everything to be just right. We come to church, we want everything to be just right. But there is a call that Jesus has on our lives and that call is to de deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. But it says that Moses looked to the reward. Remember we said earlier we sacrificed the permanent on the altar of the, the immediate? It is a better way. The way of Christ is a better way. It's the way of the cross but it is also the way of the resurrection and it's the way of glory. Jim Elliott said this and it's quoted in your bulletin. Molly actually cross-stitched this for me when we first got married, this quote from Jim Elliott from the book Shadow of the Almighty, which was Jim Elliott's journals com com compiled by his wife. 
Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Will you take up the cross this morning? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, this is a challenging passage that we look at your word and we look at it like a mirror and it does expose our hearts. So our prayer today, Lord, that as we, as all of us in this room, rethink what it means to deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow you, would you by your Holy Spirit show Jesus to us so that our hearts would fall in love with him. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.